The following podcast is a live recording of a radio show first broadcast by Fresh FM with assistance from New Zealand On Air. Hello and a Merry Christmas to you. I'm especially honoured if you're listening to Climate Matters on Christmas morning. I'm Lindsay Wood. I'm the director of climate strategy company Resilience Limited and Climate Matters is brought to you by Fresh FM, the top of the South Community Access radio station. Well, today we're going into Climate Matters 107, which was actually issued a couple of weeks before Christmas. So it was written during the height of COP28, which is probably all done and dusted by the time you're listening to this. But there was lots of stuff unfolding rapidly, and it was very easy to get out of date. So this was just a snapshot of the situation as I wrote Climate Matters number 107. And here's what we'll be covering. We'll be covering a conflict of interest on steroids at COP28. And then we'll be also having an item on the cost of climate action. And is it really too high? And the answer, of course, is no. By a big margin, you'll be interested in that. Then we're celebrating Mike Joy being awarded the Callaghan Medal, plus posing a question around that. And then if this government only developed two climate strategies this term, what might they be? You may recall Climate Matters 106 actually posed the question if they only developed one climate strategy. So here's a chance to add a second. And then as if we need more reasons to curb our use of cars, there's actually some more interesting and perturbing insights there. We also will have, we've got a cartoon or two, and of course there'll be hot tip. So on that note, let's get into Climate Matters number 107, and I'll start with my little editorial bit. CM 107 is written as COP28 is in full and half-hearted swing, and mixing messages on a grand scale, such as virtue signaling while behind-the-scenes deals are in progress. In a minute, we'll deal with an article I've headed, Can You Believe It?, and you'll see what I mean there. Here's another mixed message trying to blur what the real words mean, such as science, and we'll have an example of that. And that trial future technology can be validly used to counter what Rod Orham calls the crystal clear science of the need to slash fossil fuels. Then also jumping tracks a little bit, I want to pay a special thanks to the listener who actually put forward to me someone who had challenged Simon Michaud's gobsmacking figures that I quoted in the last Climate Matters. You may remember Simon Michaud had um, damning information about energy projections and minerals projections, and this reader sent um, a challenge to it. To be honest, I'm doing a lot of serious due diligence on it, but so far I haven't found anything that really makes me doubt what Simon Michaud is presenting. But watch this space. I will update you more as we get on. Okay, so getting on to the first item from the Can You Believe It files, conflict of interest on steroids. This man, and there's a picture there of an Arab with a, I forget the name of the burqa that the men wear with a headband and so on, And I haven't given his name because I didn't want to give him his name. This man is both the hosting president of COP28 and the CEO of the United Arab Emirates oil company, Adnoc. So, sound like a major conflict of interest? It is. The BBC News 
and I've given a link there that'll be on the Climate Matters webpage of the Fresh FM website. The BBC News revealed leaked documents showing he was setting up meetings with several countries at COP28 to promote fossil fuel expansion. In other words, he was taking advantage of these countries coming to COP28 for climate mitigation or climate um, strategies, and he was using that for behind-the-scenes meetings and pushing things in the opposite direction. Should we be joining the dots between those meetings, I pose, and the New Zealand government opening up fossil fuel exploration and Minister Simon Watt's attendance at COP28. Now, that might sound far-fetched, and New Zealand wasn't actually mentioned in the BBC report, but surely we aren't among what they called the 13 other countries, close quotes, besides the UK, Australia, Canada, Germany, and more that were named. Is that outrageous? Yes. Is it impossible? Well, I've left that as an open question. In fairness, though, Simon Watts has signed New Zealand up to support the pledge to triple world renewable energy supplies by 2030. That's not a commitment for New Zealand to triple them, but it's a commitment to support the general initiative. So I don't want to be um, all one-sided about what the, the current government is trying to achieve. Moving on. For those who are wondering if the cost of climate action is too high, remember Simon Michaud and his eye-watering numbers will get a load of some of these. The Wall Street Journal, now they're not really um, a left-wing um, <laughs> tree-hugging organization, are they? The Wall Street Journal doesn't think the cost of climate action is too high. And I'm quoting here, climate inaction, climate inaction, could cost $178 trillion by 2070. So that's in the next 47 years or so. $178 trillion, that's $178 million, million. We will give a link to that website. I'd also come across a report of the cost of extreme weather of US $16 million an hour, 24-7, for the last 20 years, and that came from The Guardian, and there's also a link to that. But get a load of this. The Guardian's report was $16 million US dollars per hour, 24-7. To equate that to the Wall Street Journal's figure, that $178 trillion by 2070 equates to $450 million per hour for 47 years eye-watering and almost incomprehensible numbers, but that's no excuse, just the same, for political leaders, past as well as present, whose talent for climate inaction has also been incomprehensible. It's high time to change that. Moving on. This time from the Yes, I Can Believe It files, Mike Joy wins the Callaghan Medal. Well done, Mike. A super well-deserved accolade. There's a big question for us, though, and Mike Joy's winning the prestigious Royal Society Te Aparangi Callaghan Medal. Joy is a freshwater ecologist and an environmental campaigner. I'm sure many listeners will have heard him on the radio or seen him speak either um, in Nelson or at the Mapua Hall and so on. He's an a freshwater ecologist and environmental campaigner who isn't afraid 
to put his head above the parapet, and he won the medal for the quality of his work in both arenas, that is, in his research and is in, in his communication of environmental issues. And so what's the question for us? I said there's a big question for us. Well, the question is why, when his skilled peers so celebrate his work, why does big agriculture seem intent on trying to discredit Mike Joy? And I've given an example to a News Hub article there. Mature industries normally welcome skills like Mike's to help them get even better. So big ag's habitual reaction to Mike Joy's work makes at least their political front, the ones that are making these pronouncements to the papers, at least their political front appear myopically fixated on their own short-term self-interest. I just can't get my head around why people are so reactionary to Mike Joy when he almost invariably knows what he's talking about and he makes very good points. Thank you, Mike. Well done. I hope we hear lots more of you. And I hope one day that there'll be a really good dialogue between the agricultural sector and you rather than the standoff. Okay, jumping on. If this government only developed two climate strategies this term, the first, see Climate Matters 106, would be to curtail low-occupancy cars. You may recall that if you were listening. The second should be a mega increase in public education about the climate crisis, plus better public participation in decisions what to do about it. We need strong policy, but politicians fear public backlash. If you heard me interviewing Nick Smith a couple of months ago, Nick was talking about the sort of the, the, the ill feeling at a lot of meetings and want, not wanting to encourage that. And the recent local government review, which was conducted by the central government, and I'll give a link to that at a, a publication called Future for Local Government. And that review suggests a win-win solution that councils trial what's known as participatory democracy, such as Wellington has given a go-to in one form, which is known as citizens' assemblies, and it has tried that on its long-term plan. We'll give a link to a discussion of that by the expert Max Rashbrook. Max is a great commentator. You probably would enjoy that. And uh, here's the other thing that I think comes out of that and is worth talking a little about, bit about a likely consequence of the public being better informed and better able to participate in decision-making would be the public then urging government to adopt heaps more strong climate policies. So instead of government, central government and local government running scared of public backlash, they would hopefully have the public behind them and propelling them in that direction. That's food for thought in my view. Here I'm going to give a little quote from um, a publication across my desk. Well, it was actually from Yale Environment 360, which I've quoted before, and their fantastic environmental commentator, Fred Pierce, who I've also quoted before. And here's just a quote from an article he's written, and we will give you the link on the Fresh FM website. Get this. Rubber as a crop is a worse deforester than coffee or cocoa and is now closing in on palm oil 
for the top spot, or you might say bottom spot. In other words, there's more tropical rainforest being ch chopped down to make to plant rubber, among other things, to make tires, than any other crop except for palm oil. And to give you an idea of cocoa, we reported several climate matters ago, I think probably two or three years ago, how the Ivory Coast on West Africa had chopped down 80 or was it 85% of all of their tropical rainforest to plant cocoa for making chocolate. But of course, we then have to take some responsibility for it because who is it that is eating the chocolate? It's not the people in the Ivory Coast, at least not on that scale. It's all of the rest of us who are eat, eating more and more, more and more people eating more and more chocolate. So less chocolate is part of the answer as well as the question of what we do about rubber and tires and so on. And that leads us into the next piece, as if we needed more reasons to curb our car usage. We've quoted before Massey University research that showed pollution from fossil fuel use in New Zealand had a social and health cost of around $2,000 per person per year. That's over $10 billion a year and we'll give a link to them. Radio New Zealand has sort of expanded that, not in so many words, but they've just reported a University of Washington research program that shows that, listen to this, even passengers in a car in a traffic jam suffer rapid adverse cardio effects, i.e. on their heart, that last up to 24 hours. Why does that happen? It happens because of the air pollution inside the car, especially from small particulates. You might have heard us talking before about PM 2.5, which is diesel is the main source of it in terms of fossil fuels, but tires are also a major source of it. So if you're going to be standing or driving or stopping in stop-start traffic, put on the aircon onto recirculation before you get in the slow traffic. Otherwise, you're trapping the polluted air inside the car as well. So put it on recirculation while you've still got clean air in the car, and then don't put it back again until you're out of the slow-flowing traffic. Of course, we'll give you a link to that as well. Just three minutes listening at Radio New Zealand, well worthwhile. Right, a hotter tip for a cooler planet, and it builds on what I've just been talking about, slow traffic. It also builds on what we covered last time as the number one government climate policy, and that was getting rid of low-occupancy cars. Hotter tip for a cooler planet, next time you're watching a traffic jam, count the single-occupancy cars, and then think about the many implications of all those cars with all those empty seats and all the road space they take up. But a Please, please don't try counting while you're driving. And on that note, I thank you very much for your company. I wish you a good holiday season. The next episode you'll be broadcast will be on the 1st of January. Again, I will be honored if anybody's actually listening to that on New Year's Day, but look forward to your company in the new year. And of course, as always, Kia Kaha for the climate.
The podcast you just listened to was a live recording of a radio show, first broadcast on Fresh FM with support from New Zealand On Air. Fresh FM is a community access media station based in Te Tauihu, the top of the South Island, New Zealand. The funding of Access Media makes these podcasts possible. To find similar programs by other community access media stations, go online to accessmedia.nz. If you or your group would like to know more about how you can have a program on our station, please contact us. Visit our website freshfm.net for our contact details.